This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, January 20th. You're listening to WNBF. The city of Binghamton's newly constructed Court Street Fire Station should be operational before spring. Fire trucks and other department vehicles were observed at the facility this week as the 20,000-square-foot structure is being prepared for use. City firefighters were getting acclimated to how things will work in their future home. The $8.5 million fire station is located at Court and Chapman Streets, just southeast of the city-owned Morabito Stadium. The department moved out of its quarters at City Hall in 2020 because of concerns that the deteriorating garage floor could collapse under the heavy weight of the fire trucks. The temporary fire headquarters operation has been housed in a former car dealership at Court and Carroll Streets. The new fire station has five drive through bays and a bunk area for 11 firefighters. The facility also has a kitchen, dining area, and decontamination room to prevent toxins from spreading throughout the station. City firefighters who have visited the new complex have indicated they're impressed with the facility. A Broome County man said work will continue to transform the old Red Robin Diner in Johnson City into a new restaurant. Tamor Khan of the town of Binghamton acquired the property at 268 Main Street last June for $210,000. The small diner building, which had been manufactured in New Jersey, has been a fixture at the corner of Main and Broad Streets for more than six decades. It originally operated on Conklin Avenue in Binghamton before it was moved to the Johnson City site. A large red and blue neon sign that had been part of the diner was removed by an Ohio man last summer. Khan told WMBF News that the effort to renovate the former diner is still in progress. Although some preliminary work was started inside the structure last fall, there's been no activity at the site in recent weeks. Khan said some adjustments have been made to the original design he had envisioned for the future business. Plans previously outlined to Johnson City officials indicated the new eatery would have seating for 24 people. Khan said there's no definite date yet for the opening of the new restaurant. He's revealed the name he intends to use for the business. An Oakdale Mall staple, the Greater Binghamton Sports Hall of Fame and Museum was forced to leave the Oakdale Commons earlier this week. Anthony Quagliata, owner of AJQ Sports Management and Marketing and founder of the Greater Binghamton Sports Hall of Fame and Museum, received a little more than a month of notice from the Oakdale Commons that the local sports museum would have to relocate. He told WMBF News, they told us December 7th we had to get out by January 31st, and then two days later they told us we had to get out by January 15th, so we really had to scramble, but luckily the county came to our help. Vision's Federal Credit Union is actually storing some of our additional artifacts that we're not able to bring over to the arena. Rogers Trucking assisted us in the moving process, and we had a bunch of really great volunteers, most of them part of our program to begin with, that assisted us with the move. According to Quagliata, some leases in the Oakdale Commons had run out, and they were unofficially paying month to month to utilize the space they'd occupied for years. And now the Oakdale Commons has no space for the Greater Binghamton Sports Hall of Fame and Museum. Quagliata is looking for a permanent location for the museum, but for now, many of the displays can be found on the first floor of the Visions Veterans Memorial Arena. On Wednesday, January 18th, members of the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force attempted to take Taekwon Brown, age 26, who was wanted for a homicide by the New York City Police Department and a violation of New York State parole warrant, into custody while he was operating a motor vehicle on Binghamton's east side. Brown fled this stop by driving in the direction of a police officer and across a front lawn of a residence and left the area at a high rate of speed. A short time after, Brown was involved in a motor vehicle accident in the area of Eldridge Street and Brandywine Avenue. The operator of the vehicle Brown collided with called 911 and advised which way Brown fled the accident on foot. 
A short time later, Brown was taken into custody by members of the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force on the railroad tracks nearby. As a result of the investigation, investigators located one loaded 9mm Ruger brand handgun, approximately 12.9 grams of fentanyl pills, and drug paraphernalia items used in the sale and distribution of controlled substances. As a result of the investigation, Taquan Brown of Brooklyn, New York, was arrested and transported to the Binghamton Police Department to be processed on charges of attempted assault in the first degree, reckless endangerment in the first degree, criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree, criminal possession of a controlled substance in the fourth degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, criminal using drug paraphernalia in the second degree, obstruction of governmental administration in the second degree, resisting arrest, and criminal trespass in the third degree. On January 18th, the Johnson City Police Department arrested Jericho J. Thomas, age 19, for assault in the second degree, petty larceny, and resisting arrests. Thomas is accused of stealing merchandise from a store in the village and fleeing from loss prevention. Johnson City officers responded and located Thomas at a nearby location, encountered him, and attempted to place him under arrest. Thomas began to fight and struggle with the officer during the struggle, caused injuries to the officer's arm and shoulder that required medical treatment. The officer is still recovering, and the injuries may require additional treatment. Thomas was processed and taken to central arraignment, where he was released in compliance with New York State bail reform laws. A search is underway after a small plane disappeared near a New York suburban airport. The Federal Aviation Administration says preliminary information indicates the pilot of the single-engine Beechcraft A-36 reported engine troubles about a mile from the Westchester County Airport around 6.15 p.m. Thursday. The FAA says the plane was flying from New York's John F. Kennedy International Airport to the Cuyahoga County Airport in Richmond Heights, Ohio, with an unknown number of people aboard. Emergency responders are combing woods and a reservoir near the airport. A Florida judge has sanctioned former President Donald Trump and one of his attorneys, ordering them to pay nearly $1 million for filing a bogus lawsuit against Trump's 2016 rival Hillary Clinton. In a scathing decision Thursday, U.S. District Judge Donald Middlebrooks accuses Trump of filing frivolous lawsuits for political purposes in a pattern of abuse of the courts. Middlebrooks had already dismissed the suit Trump filed against Clinton, former top FBI officials and Democratic Party rejecting the former president's claims that they and others conspired to sink his winning presidential campaign by alleging ties to Russia. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, snow and rain in the forecast this morning. Mostly cloudy with a high near 41 degrees and a 40% chance of rain. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low near 30 degrees. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 34. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, a low near 28. And Sunday, snow likely, mostly cloudy with a high near 38 degrees, 70% chance of snow. Sunday night, chance of snow, mostly cloudy with a low near 28 degrees, 50% chance of snow. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Friday morning. This is Bob Joseph live January 20th, 2022. Phone lines are being opened right now for your calls at 607-772-1290. We'll take calls from real listeners, people just like you. So if we're going to take calls from people like you, I say you should actually be part of it. So feel free to call in and discuss what is on your mind today as we wrap up another work week. We get things started 
by uh, checking in with Nick Tamaris from Miller Motors on the Vestal Parkway. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. How are you? I am well. How are things? Very, very good. Very busy. Looking great. <laughs> you know, winter is flying right by. We've gone through the first official month of winter relatively unscathed. Yeah. We had a little bit of cold weather and a little bit of snow, but generally, you know, the first third of winter hasn't been too bad, so we'll see what happens between now and March 20th. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, uh, usually at this point I start getting stir-crazy and too much snow and shoveling, and we're always out moving the cars and pushing snow and so everybody can get in. But it's been great this year. I'm No complaints with me. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, and, uh, how, how are things going there, generally? How are things going with the, the week with uh, people stopping in and checking out whether they're interested in Hondas or other vehicles? It's been very busy and very good. I, I think a couple things. Uh, Honda has, we have a great selection of cars here. We have Accords that you can scoop up a 2.9% rate on. We have some 22s that are still here available. We have a 22 Pilot. I guess you can even scoop up a 1.9% rate on this. And while I was waiting to get on the air and just listen to you, uh, I've never brought this up, but a great resource is our website. Just go on Miller Honda NY, like New York, .com. You can see our specials. You can see our inventory, schedule service. You can talk to somebody, uh, come in for appointment, or, heck, just show up and we have cars right in the showroom floor to show you. So a lot of busy stuff and a lot of good stuff happening. Well, sounds great. Now, uh, operations will continue today till 6, correct? But people could also pop in tomorrow if they would like. Yeah, so so it's always a great time at the weekend. Friday till 6 o'clock today. Saturday, we're going to be here till 4 o'clock. Sunday, we're closed. And folks even like stopping on Sunday. When there's nobody here, you can browse the lot, see what's here. Come in Monday, pick up the car you want, and then we can get all ready for you. And use our website. My gosh, get on uh, MillerHondaNY.com. Pick up the car you're looking for. Look for the one even. Maybe you want a blue CRV 23, brand new, and a Canyon blue, which is a spectacular color. You're looking for it, go right on our website, take a peek at it, come in, and we'll wrap things up for you. Sounds like a plan. Nick, always a pleasure. I wish you uh, a great day, and I hope you and your colleagues also get a chance to relax a little bit this weekend so you can prepare for another big week of assisting car buyers at Miller Motors on the Parkway. We're always here for you, and we appreciate it. And you too, and thank you. Take care. It's 915. This is Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF. The number to call is 607-772-1290. If you have an email, send it to Bob at WNBF.com. Listening to News Radio, WNBF 921 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. You
that dog smiling. It's WNBF, but we love dogs. WDOG would be my station, but it's not my station. I just work here. But can you imagine WDOG? Mm-mm-mm. And its partner station, WOOF. Canine power for America. That's my, that's my vision for the future of radio. Let's get things started with Dale in Binghamton. Good morning. Morning, Bob. Uh, it's uh, 2023. <laughs> but uh, the SNS chart, yeah, and, uh, I remember it being the Dairy Queen a long time ago. And the whole section there is, you know, a, a big expanse. With the uh, um, um, Colonial Plaza, and then um, the you know state, the uh, Kmart, and all that. that used well, plus to the sinking bridge. See, I think yeah, the only the thing, sink- the only thing now that is a viable entity for, well, not the only thing, but one of the key things yeah. left for the north side is the sinking bridge. They could turn that into a tourist attraction and charge <laughs> ten, 10 bucks a person to watch the incredible sinking bridge. Oh, boy. <laughs> they could have well, Bill Murray. How about, how about this? Bill Murray, Bill Murray could film um, a sequel to his smash hit Groundhog Day, and instead of it being in Punxsutawney, it could be... In Binghamton on the north side, and it could show yeah. Bill Murray with a TV reporting crew, and every day, day after day after day after day, they they do a live report every morning, every morning with Gail King with an update from Binghamton's sinking bridge. Isn't that crazy? And they could put instead of instead of having traffic go through there, they could turn it into uh, sort of a, a groundhog zoo. So a Punxsutawney Phil, yeah. Well, if Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania needs cash, and every small town does, what we do is offer them five hundred dollars for Punxsutawney Phil and the rest of his family, and bring them up here and turn it into sort of like we could call it oh what groundhog adventure. Right, I Groundhog Adventure, and people would come for miles, and then you've been there. Yes, and we what we could do when um, Phil's uh, girlfriend is um, expecting, then we could live stream it. Oh wow! It'd be just like <laughs> it'd become a global sensation. Everybody is waiting oh, for amazing for uh, Phil's girlfriend to have triplets, <laughs> and then there'd be like three little groundhogs running around at at Groundhog oh, Adventure. Yeah, we had a good year so far. Boy, yeah, it's been great. The first twenty days have been perfect. Oh boy! So yeah, it's good. It's good down here in downtown Bampton, just watching the birds fly around and stuff. Oh yeah, but what about anyway. those falcons? I, the the falcons, oh, the peregrine boy. falcons. I thought they were so That's mad. Right. They were so. The I don't know if they were mad or angry, but they were. They were um, speaking to me, speaking loudly the to me as I went to pick up my lunch. Oh my goodness. They, they see the pigeons. The pigeons see the, the falcon flying in the air, and uh, you know they're landing on buildings here, and and they fly off so fast. It ain't funny. <laughs> they disappear, and uh, and the falcons come through. You know, yeah. it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That'd be a good name for a football team, the Peregrine Falcons. That's yeah, what they should rename Owego. 
But we go because they have, um, I can't say the name of the team on the radio, but a WeGo uh, Free Academy has a football team. And since they want a new name, how about the Owego Peregrine Falcons? They, they're <laughs> flying high. What about that? Yeah. Yeah, if I can see them up on the A4 here, you know, I, I'm watching, looking at the Kilmer building, so. And the pigeons land down at this other building, and uh, they go on the on the attack. <laughs> hey, well, all I can say is Falcons will falc. You know, that's I mean, that's right. well, you know, they, that's Mother Nature. Too, that's right. Mother Nature at his finest. <laughs> yep. So, what else? What do you got planned for the weekend? Anything big coming up? Oh, nothing big. I got a uh, few appointments and stuff I got to do next week and mm-hmm. stuff. And, uh, All right. So will you be able to listen now. to the program next week? Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll be in the morning so good. All right. Well, we're counting on you. Uh, I'll be around. Thank you. Yep. And we wish everyone a good weekend. If uh, I know some of our listeners have such a big weekend that they usually start it around 9.30 on Friday morning. So for those of you... We have to uh, commence your weekend celebration in six minutes. I wish you the best. And remember, enjoy your weekend responsibly because we have plenty, plenty of live programs scheduled for next week. That's the whole thing about live programs. We can't record them ahead of time. Requiring me to show up here every day from 9 to noon, and I love it. 607-772-1290 is the number, and we will be talking with more people. Who knows what we'll encounter between now and noon, but you'll be all part of it right here on News Radio, WNBF. does it make? It's Bob Joseph. Live at 927 from WNBF, from the most beautiful radio studio in North America. We have spared no expense. Except for the one wall that I have to look at all day. Uh, For some reason, when the multi-billion dollar renovations were being done they did three out of the four walls here at the studio and trust me as meatloaf once sang three out of four ain't bad nobody (laughs) trust me nobody knows why they renovated the whole place top to bottom side to side everywhere you look got renovated new equipment new monitors new flat screens, new 3D devices, and everything else. And one wall, and ironically, it's the one wall that I have to look at 
every day, every single second I'm on the air. That was the one wall that they did nothing to. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You can infer what you want, but anyway, the rest of the place looks tip-top, tip-top. But if you ever wonder why we don't do live streaming from the WNBF studio, that's probably why. Because then we would have to expose the shame of the station that the complete renovation <laughs> complete renovation is only 99.4% complete. Yeah, I pointed that out once. I said, hey, you missed a wall. And somebody said, yeah, well, you know, you're, you're about the only one who noticed. So get back to work. Start hosting a show. Start writing some stuff. Start asking a few more questions. Here's the official forecast, how things are shaping up as we head into the weekend. Cloudy today, showers likely this morning, high 40. Appears that means there won't be showers this afternoon. Appears uh, cloudy tonight with a chance of rain and snow showers, followed by a spate of snow showers. So rain and snow showers and then just snow showers. Low tonight, 29. Cloudy tomorrow, high 34. Cloudy Sunday with some rain in the afternoon. Mixing with snow late in the day, high 38. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 38. At News Radio WNBF, the station that's here for you. And me. Sounds like a folk song. <laughs> no, don't worry. I will not. I will not sing today. Unless offered cash. If somebody offers me cash, I might sing. Back in the day, when I was a uh, kid, they had lots of interesting shows on TV. And one of the most interesting shows on TV was on Channel 34. Back in the day... It wasn't called WIVT, it was called WBJA. And I liked it because I always thought the call letters stood for Bob Joseph's America. Of course it didn't, but that's how I looked at it. WBJA for Bob Joseph's America. That was Channel 34. They were the ABC affiliate, and they were a powerhouse stationed to be reckoned with with a stick, big stick up on Broadcast Hill, south of the city. And 50 years ago, I noticed this in the uh, TV guide listings of the press, back when they had TV listings. <laughs> I guess they still do TV listings. Anyway, the a listing from 50 years ago for the Brady Bunch. Big episode. It was one of the most controversial episodes, I believe, in the uh, history of the popular Brady Bunch series featuring Jan and Marsha. Uh, the title of that particular episode exactly 50 years ago, Greg Gets Grounded. It was on at 8 p.m. on WBJA Channel 34 with Bob Joseph's America. <laughs> this is the description of that program. This shows you how TV has changed over the last half century. Today we have great reality shows. We have the um, 
Happy Housewives of Riverside Drive, for example, and shows like that. And uh, um, what's the one? What's the one that they film out there at uh, Aquaga Lake? Um, well, you know. I wonder if they're going to film any more episodes out there. Anyway, so Greg Gets Grounded, it was uh, the most controversial episode, I believe, ever in the history of the Brady Bunch. And this is how the uh, synopsis read in the evening press from 50 years ago. Thanks to Bobby's big mouth, Greg loses his car privileges. Bobby tells his parents Greg came dangerously close to a bad accident on the freeway, and Greg is told... He can't have the car for a week. That presents quite a complication since he has a heavy date to go to a rock concert and no way to get there. As soon as I saw that description, I said, I think I remember that episode. <laughs> Bobby's Big Mouth. I think I remember. And I think I remember my mom looking at me. Bobby's Big Mouth. Bobby? Bobby, this is an important episode, so close your big mouth. And then my brother looked at me with sort of like, if you tell mom about how I was driving on the freeway. Anyway, that's how I remember it. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure some of that actually happened. Anyway, as I say, TV was different back then. Fortunately, now we have reality shows with people getting fired. And the Happy Housewives of Riverside Drive. So, shows you how far we've come since 1973. Stake a phone call at 934 WNBF. You're on the air. What's going on? I mean, what's your first name and where are you calling from? Hi, my name is um, Pat. Yeah. And I'm calling from Binghamton. All right, Pat. Good morning. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. So, what's um, on your mind? I wanted to call. And I was upset when I saw that Kevin McCarthy um, stopped uh, as taking uh, Adam Schiff and I think his, uh, the other man's name is Caldwell from California. I think that's his name, last name. And they're taking him off of all committees. And um, yet he's putting um, Marjorie Green on on the committee for interior homeland security or something like that yes and yes he uh he he's made these uh, unfounded attacks on uh, great americans like adam schiff and eric swalwell and then he goes well, and puts uh, what's her face and and by the way by the way i want to have her on the program uh, marjorie call me i want i want her on the program to answer a few questions <laughs> so i trust me i I respect the office, so I, I certainly want her on the program to answer my questions, but that'll be a cold day in Hackensack. But yeah, what Kevin McCarthy's doing with his new house is, um, I just shake my head. I, I wonder, what, what's his end game? Well, I think it's to get anyone off, you know, that's a halfway decent person. Swalwell, uh, according to... Um, Swalwell was on the CNN and they were talking to him and now his family has been threatened uh, to be killed because of what McCarthy said and he didn't do anything wrong the FBI doesn't have anything against him in fact he helped them from what from what I understand it said something to do about an Asian woman 
and he helped the the FBI with information or something to to get her to have to leave the country. And that's as much as I know about it, and it's not a lot. But um, this man has done nothing but good, and Adam Schiff, the same thing. But I think that he's following Trump's agenda, especially when it comes to Adam. He doesn't want him on any committees. He wants to make sure that all the people in place are the ones that that um, he would like to see lined up himself, you know, in the future. I, I just feel so bad that these people's reputations are destroyed for no reason that, you know, um, he, he just, I, I just can't believe how bad this has gotten so fast. Um, well, I think, I, I, I hear what you say, but sadly, I think this could have been foreseen. And again, nothing against Kevin McCarthy. He he has, how can I put it this way? I wouldn't give his problems to a monkey on a rock. So I don't I don't envy Kevin McCarthy's position. Look who's, who's he's in charge of it's a ragtag bunch and and many of them don't get me wrong many of those uh, members of his caucus are actually great americans i i have a tremendous respect for many of um the republican members of congress but then you've got some of the fringe elements and you know i don't want to point them out i don't want to embarrass them if their parents are listening but you know i mean kevin mccarthy right now has um an unenviable task, and also seems to me, based on what was reported, he essentially gave away the store in order to secure his his speakership. And I, I think I think the deals that he did after, like, what did they go through? Like, uh, twelve hundred ninety votes before they finally approved him at three thirty in the morning to be the speaker. I mean, that's not how you want to ease into the post. I would think after the first. 100 votes, I would have said, okay, you don't want me? Okay, I'll accept it. But yeah. I, I think he made I think he made some bad deals, and I think ultimately he's going to regret some of the things he agreed to with some of the more, shall we say, controversial elements of the party. Well, it makes you nervous just the fact that, you know, when he first declared the January 6th insurrection, um, and he... He pointed the finger to to the former president. And then how many weeks later was he down there in his office, you know, or not office, but at his home in Florida? And that's not trustworthy. That doesn't make anyone feel trustworthy. And especially Marjorie Greene holding up her phone, showing that Trump was on the phone, and, and then Trump taking credit for getting McCarthy elected. I mean, this is... It's just terrible. It's just well, let's face it. If this like was if if they were showing this at the movies, we would all walk out because the whole thing would feel so implausible. But here it is, the USA in 2023. Gannett ought to have a paper and call it USA Today, and people would be like, "Ooh, look at that! It's too scary. We can't read that. That's <laughs> that's a nightmare newspaper." But it's yep. it's what we're dealing with right now. So, but I will say this. You know, this country survived the uh, period between January 20th, 2017 and January 20th, 2021, four difficult years to be sure. This country has survived a lot of things over more than two centuries. And this country is so strong, I submit to you, this nation will get through this. This will be a difficult two years for America, but I predict America will ultimately emerge stronger and smarter for what we're about to experience. 
I hope you're right. I hope I, I hope am too. Right. I, I, I firmly, I firmly believe that will happen. I'm cautiously optimistic, but I also will say, as, uh, as the uh, pilot from, um, what was it, uh, Delta. Delta, that flight that was going into a uh, little turbulence, I think the uh, the captain said to the uh, the people who were riding on the plane, he said, "Hey, we're in for a bumpy ride, so make sure your seat belts are fashioned fastened. We have the seatbelt fastened sign on for a reason, and that right now is the truth with the United States of America. All three hundred thirty million of us must fasten our seat belts and be prepared for some turbulence." Yeah, you're okay. right. So don't well, worry. Keep the faith. All right. Thank you. Yeah, don't worry. I mean, it's like um, Steve Arena Wonder once said, don't you worry about a thing. It, it will be all right in the long term. But in the meantime, it's going to be fascinating, and I encourage everyone to pay attention. 941, it's Bob Joseph, the ringleader at News Radio WNBF. the phones now on a Friday morning. Joe and Owego. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Thank you very much. In, in discussions about survival, brings us to mind an advertisement that I keep seeing and I keep wondering about. It says, if you take our medication, the infectious particle that's causing your problems won't show up, and if it doesn't show up, you can't transmit it. My question is, if it doesn't show up and you can't transmit it, why do we still spend $2,000 a month on the medication to keep us from finding it? It helps support the American economy. That's, uh, that's, that's called shareholder value, and that means the uh, <laughs> performance of that particular enterprise for the first quarter probably is going to be positive, thanks to uh, a lot of fine people who wind up paying $2,000 a month. And the other side of the coin is the advertisement that was just on about we've found a better vaccine, so take some more of that. Uh, just things to think about today along right. with the 24th. You know, I'm hoping they have a breakthrough. I, I hope they uh, start infusing, um, you know, the uh, Lucky Charm cereal, a, a new breakthrough. Lucky Charm cereal will become the first breakfast cereal in the world infused with COVID-19 protections. Can you imagine? It's like... <laughs> You and your kids, every morning at uh, 7.15, turn on WNBF Radio and have a big heaping bowl 
of Lucky Charm cereal, and you're good to go. You won't get COVID-19. But I don't... Wouldn't that be funny if they do that? Well, my great-grandson would probably, at age six, would probably eat the whole box because he (laughs) runs about 2,500 calories a day. Oh, jeez. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Joe. (laughs) Lucky Charms, they're magically... Uh, protective, yes. There, thank you. <laughs> and I'll salute General Food, or is it Major Mayhem? I don't know. Anyway, they, whoever those kids are who are making the Lucky Charms, they they are very fortunate to have a job like that. Can you imagine working in the cereal plant? And remember, everybody has has a task. You're in charge of the most important task at the Lucky Charm cereal plant in Savannah, Georgia. You're the person who actually has to make the multicolored marshmallows, using air air quotes, (laughs) marshmallows. Those aren't marshmallows. Those are described as marshmallows on the box, but we all know what they are. According to the internet, Lucky Charms is a brand of breakfast cereal produced by General Mill. Again, not Major Mayhem or (laughs) Private Wheat. The cereal consists of multicolored marshmallows. Again, it strikes me as an error. I don't think they're marshmallows. Not not using the traditional definition of marshmallows. Oh, and pieces of shaped pulverized oats. So that's what that is. Pulverized oat, each resembling one of several objects or symbols associated with good luck. The packaging and marketing features a mascot called Lucky. Well, there you go. (laughs) Oh, I didn't realize this. Lucky Charms was created in 1964 by cereal maven John Hallahan. General Mill told Mr. Hallahan, please come up with a cereal that would be magically delicious and incredibly sweet. (laughs) And so that's what John Hallahan did. And as they say, the rest is history. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air at 950. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Beverly from the town of Dickerson. Hey, what's going on there? Oh, Oh, nothing. Um, I talk about um, the cereal and stuff. I bought I bought a box of Lucky Charms one time, oh years ago, and it had I uh, it had three fourths three fourths of it was sugar, and probably the rest of it was was cereal. Yeah, well, how come it was only three-fourths sugar? I thought it was usually like 90 to 93% sugar. Did they well, they mix up the recipe? The box was the box was probably three-fourths three-fourths sugar, and because I counted I counted every piece in Lucky Charms, and there was only 50, 50 of them, and the rest was sugar. But the and bottom line the is, okay, so you you analyzed that particular box, but the biggest question is, was it still magically delicious? 
Well, my kids thought it was. See, that's the main thing. Kids are fairly easy to please. They don't care if it's 70% sugar or 100% sugar. As long as it's got a lot of sugar, they're going to like it. And I, I think they should. I think, um, I mean, personally, I've never been a big fan of Lucky Charms. My my uh, vice of choice is Count Chocula, but they probably are made at the same plant by General Mill. You know, they because they use the same basic concept, the same concept that John Hollihan came up with for Lucky Charms. They also use for Count Chocula, except they put in some brown powders. I guess I assume it's artificial color because why would they use natural coloring? So they put in some brown powders and like one. I suspect they put in like one teaspoon of cocoa for every. 2,000 pound batch that they make. So one teaspoon of cocoa probably per ton of Count Chocula, and then they make those little so-called marshmallow bits that are very similar to the ones that that you see on the Lucky Charms. Cocoa probably per ton. I'll stick to my oatmeal. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with oatmeal. What about, did you ever have mother's oats? Yep. Yep, because... That's uh, a product of uh, of Quaker, the Quaker Company, the same people, mind you, who gave us Life Cereal. And I always thought that was another of my favorite cereals, Life Cereal, because remember Mikey? Mikey from Life Cereal? Yep. And he loved it. He loved it. Mikey wouldn't eat anything. All he did from the time he was three years old until he was uh, 21 until they kicked him out of the house, I think the only thing he would eat was life cereal. Hey, life cereal's all right. Yeah. All right. Well, hope you have a good weekend. You too. 9.53 WNBF. We're focusing on the difficult issues surrounding processed breakfast foods. This is WNBF 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. News Radio 1 Bob Joseph, all the hits all the time. The best music on the best talk show ever. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yes, sir. Good morning, Bob. Uh, Dave from Vestal. Uh, what's I going to say? Oh, uh, about three callers ago, Bob. I uh, I was listening. Uh, I, I couldn't let it. I couldn't let it go. I, I, had, I had to call you. Um, talking about that committee, Bob, and talking about uh, Swalwell and uh, Adam Schiff, two of the one, one of the most dishonest guys that had been on a committee. Remember back with the uh, uh, impeachment trials? Remember how much 
Schiff lie? I mean, he was a huge liar during those trials. He lied all the time with Russia and everything. That guy, he should be. He shouldn't be on any committee. I, I can't believe this lady is worried about guys like that being thrown off a committee, and then worried about Democrats getting their lives destroyed. Wait, you're confusing. You're confusing Adam Schiff with George Santos. There, I can no, see they're both no, they're both men. No, they're both no, fine Americans, no. but but George Santos is um, sadly his his penchant for prevarication is now well documented. Adam Schiff's penchant for truth telling also has been well documented by. I don't know, some researcher. He's, now, in fairness, in fairness, I've been told that every human lies. So, now, not everybody can can peg the lieometer into the red like George Santos. He's taken it to a new level. Even Remember Kevin? Remember Kevin on trial, too, Bob? Remember all that oh, stuff? Oh, the guy who likes beer? Yeah, I remember yeah, him saying he likes that? beer. And I don't for a moment believe that Brett Kavanaugh likes beer as much as he claimed. But how can you prove it? He can, he can confess to liking beer, and you just have to take him at his word. At least he wasn't running for Congress from Long Island. It's Bob Joseph, a lively Friday continuing on WNBF Binghamton. It's 10 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, January 20th. You're listening to WNBF. The city of Binghamton's newly constructed Court Street Fire Station should be operational before spring. Fire trucks and other department vehicles were observed at the facility this week as the 20,000 square foot structure is being prepared for use. City firefighters were getting acclimated to how things will work in their future home. The $8.5 million fire station is located at Court and Chapman Streets, just southeast of the city-owned Morabito Stadium. The department moved out of its quarters at City Hall in 2020 because of concerns that the deteriorating garage floor could collapse under the heavy weight of the fire trucks. The temporary fire headquarters operation has been housed in a former car dealership at Court and Carroll Streets. The new fire station has five drive through bays and a bunk area for 11 firefighters. The facility also has a kitchen, dining area, and decontamination room to prevent toxins from spreading throughout the station. City firefighters who have visited the new complex have indicated they're impressed with the facility. A Broome County man said work will continue to transform the old Red Robin Diner in Johnson City into a new restaurant. Tamor Khan of the town of Binghamton acquired the property at 268 Main Street last June for $210,000. The small diner building, which had been manufactured in New Jersey, has been a fixture at the corner of Main and Broad Streets for more than six decades. It originally operated on Conklin Avenue in Binghamton before it was moved to the Johnson City site. A large red and blue neon sign that had been part of the diner was removed by an Ohio man last summer. Khan told WMBF News that the effort to renovate the former diner is still in progress. Although some preliminary work was started inside the structure last fall, there's been no activity at the site in recent weeks. Khan said some adjustments have been made to the original design he had envisioned for the future business. Plans previously outlined to Johnson City officials indicated the new eatery would have seating for 24 people. Khan said there's no definite date yet for the opening of the new restaurant. He's revealed the name he intends to use for the business. An Oakdale Mall staple, the Greater Binghamton Sports Hall of Fame and Museum was forced to leave the Oakdale Commons earlier this week. 
Anthony Quagliata, owner of AJQ Sports Management and Marketing and founder of the Greater Binghamton Sports Hall of Fame and Museum, received a little more than a month of notice from the Oakdale Commons that the local sports museum would have to relocate. He told WMBF News, they told us December 7th we had to get out by January 31st, and then two days later they told us we had to get out by January 15th, so we really had to scramble, but luckily the county came to our help. Visions Federal Credit Union is actually storing some of our additional artifacts that we're not able to bring over to the arena. Rogers Trucking assisted us in the moving process, and we had a bunch of really great volunteers, most of them part of our program to begin with, that assisted us with the move. According to Quagliata, some leases in the Oakdale Commons had run out and they were unofficially paying month to month to utilize the space they'd occupied for years. And now the Oakdale Commons has no space for the Greater Binghamton Sports Hall of Fame and Museum. Quagliata is looking for a permanent location for the museum, but for now, many of the displays can be found on the first floor of the Visions Veterans Memorial Arena. On Wednesday, January 18th, members of the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force attempted to take Taekwon Brown, age 26, who was wanted for a homicide by the New York City Police Department and a violation of New York State parole warrant, into custody while he was operating a motor vehicle on Binghamton's east side. Brown fled this stop by driving in the direction of a police officer and across a front lawn of a residence and left the area at a high rate of speed. A short time after, Brown was involved in a motor vehicle accident in the area of Eldridge Street and Brandywine Avenue. The operator of the vehicle Brown collided with called 911 and advised which way Brown fled the accident on foot. A short time later, Brown was taken into custody by members of the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force on the railroad tracks nearby. As a result of the investigation, investigators located one loaded 9mm Ruger brand handgun, approximately 12.9 grams of fentanyl pills, and drug paraphernalia items used in the sale and distribution of controlled substances. As a result of the investigation, Taquan Brown of Brooklyn, New York, was arrested and transported to the Binghamton Police Department to be processed on charges of attempted assault in the first degree, reckless endangerment in the first degree, criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree, criminal possession of a controlled substance in the fourth degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, criminal using drug paraphernalia in the second degree, obstruction of governmental administration in the second degree, resisting arrest, and criminal trespass in the third degree. On January 18th, the Johnson City Police Department arrested Jericho J. Thomas, age 19, for assault in the second degree, petty larceny, and resisting arrests. Thomas is accused of stealing merchandise from a store in the village and fleeing from loss prevention. Johnson City officers responded and located Thomas at a nearby location, encountered him, and attempted to place him under arrest. Thomas began to fight and struggle with the officer during the struggle, caused injuries to the officer's arm and shoulder that required medical treatment. The officer is still recovering, and the injuries may require additional treatment. Thomas was processed and taken to central arraignment, where he was released in compliance with New York State bail reform laws. A search is underway after a small plane disappeared near a New York suburban airport. The Federal Aviation Administration says preliminary information indicates the pilot of the single-engine Beechcraft A36 reported engine troubles about a mile from the Westchester County Airport around 6.15 p.m. Thursday. The FAA says the plane was flying from New York's John F. Kennedy International Airport to the Cuyahoga County Airport in Richmond Heights, Ohio, with an unknown number of people aboard. Emergency responders are combing woods and a reservoir near the airport. A Florida judge has sanctioned former President Donald Trump and one of his attorneys, ordering them to pay nearly $1 million for filing a bogus lawsuit against Trump's 2016 rival Hillary Clinton. In a scathing decision Thursday, U.S. District Judge Donald Middlebrooks accuses Trump of filing frivolous lawsuits for political purposes in a pattern of abuse of the courts. 
Middlebrooks had already dismissed the suit Trump filed against Clinton. Former top FBI officials and Democratic Party rejecting the former president's claims that they and others conspired to sink his winning presidential campaign by alleging ties to Russia. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, snow and rain in the forecast this morning. Mostly cloudy with a high near 41 degrees and a 40% chance of rain. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low near 30 degrees. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 34. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, a low near 28. And Sunday, snow likely, mostly cloudy with a high near 38 degrees, 70% chance of snow. Sunday night, chance of snow, mostly cloudy with a low near 28 degrees, 50% chance of snow. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WMBF. Good morning, this is Bob Joseph on your Friday. Welcome to my world at News Radio WNBF. Our number, as always, is 607-772-1290 for those who have an opinion or maybe just a thought or, gee, if you have no opinions or thoughts, perhaps you just want to pose a question, that number is there for you, 607-772-1290, and we will entertain your questions about almost anything. Notice, I choose my words very carefully. Almost anything. Sounds like some restrictions may apply, which is true of everything in life. Some restrictions may apply. Still, it's a pretty good program, and we're glad to have you with us. A lot to talk about today. If you uh, enjoy reading interesting stories from around the Binghamton area, I encourage you to check our website, WNBF.com. It is a fine website and we bring you some very interesting stories oh for example did you see our little glimpse a sneak preview of the Binghamton Fire Department headquarters building on Court Street you yeah, know it's almost done they uh, are checking out the uh, the fit see if the oh, all the fire trucks would fit inside, which is a good thing, by the way, before you open up a new fire station, especially in Binghamton, uh, this city, we build new fire stations about once every 48 years. So the bottom line is when you build a new fire station before you move out of your current location, you have to take the fire trucks in to the new place to make sure they fit. Wouldn't it be funny that they've spent the last two or three years working on this new fire station at Court and Chapman, and it turns out, oh, oh, so close, so close. We can almost get that truck inside. You know, if only, if only we had made the garage door opening one inch higher, oh, then somebody would say, well, you know, if you let a little bit of air out of the tires, and then you can 
get enough clearance and then you could put the fire truck in there and then on your way out to a fire you put air back in the tires and then everything would be fine it turns out it looks like all the fire trucks and other apparatus fit beautifully in the new fire station which will be opening soon if you want to get a glimpse take a look at it on our website wnbf.com very impressive very impressive i always am mesmerized by new fire stations 1014 Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF 921 FM 1290 AM and streaming at the aforementioned WNBF.com. First. Ten seventeen on News Radio WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. We're joined now by Congressman Mark Molinaro. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I am well. Thank you for uh, joining us on this Friday. So, how are things going in your uh, first couple of weeks as a member of the House of Representatives? Well, I, first, um, you know, it, it is the—I mean—truly an honor to represent uh, the people of this district. Um, you know, that that will never be lost on me. Um, uh, the first couple of days didn't start exactly the way we wanted them. Uh, I, uh, I am, uh, as you know, uh, we were uh, appointed to a, a few important committees. I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, you know, we're hitting the ground running, uh, fully staffed. Uh, our, our district uh, offices are, are uh, our, our district office in Binghamton's up and running. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm looking forward to doing the work uh, that folks in the 19th District expect of me, being responsive to them and, and responsible. But can I start uh, even uh, – I, I was listening earlier, and I just I just want to offer as the father of four children uh, that um, uh, Lucky Charms uh, is in a close competition with Fruity Pebbles in my in my book <laughs> for a degree of, of cereal uh, 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 for, for breakfast. In fact, uh, my wife does not like – that I willingly give the kids uh, the marshmallows, but don't expect that they eat the cereal. But you're a kind father, and your your children will always remember that when they're adults, and will say, "Dad, thank you, thank you, thank you for for cutting us some slack at breakfast time." No, 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 no. My wife is a superhero, and I'm a pushover. <laughs> <laughs> well, one final question. We won't spend too much time uh, focusing on serial controversies, but just a, a quick take, one word. What do you think of the uh, also uh, controversial serial seasonal offering by General Mills called Count Chocula? What's your take on that? Well, I, uh, it's very nostalgic for me. So I, um, I'm, you know, I, I, I add it to my, my repertoire. Uh, come October, that and um, uh, Frank, Frankenberry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and I think there's another one. that There I is one, I, and I'm forgetting the, the third in their lineup of General Mills' uh, seasonal lineup of frightening cereals. But I, I, I didn't it, get any this, this past season. If Starbucks can pump out uh, that um, artificial pumpkin uh, spice whenever the heck they want, then General Mills can pump out chalk, chocolate, uh, count chocolate, uh, chocolate, and 
Oh, by the way, isn't that a nightmare scenario if General Mills decides to get in on the the uh, the fake pumpkin spice kick? That that would scare me more than Count Chocula and Frankenberry combined if they come up with another bizarro monster cereal this this coming October. It may compel me to consider a piece of legislation uh, restricting that that kind of uh, irresponsible behavior. And you heard it exclusively on WNBF News. <laughs> Speaking with Congressman Mark Molinaro, now shifting to something very serious, the debt limit. The nation now has, uh, has hit the, as they say, the debt ceiling. And we'll say at least for the next... Uh, uh, at least several days, probably the next few weeks, things are going to be very interesting with what happens in Congress and, and what congressional leaders and members uh, will be able to, to cobble together perhaps some kind of agreement or compromise with the Biden administration. Well, I also think the Biden administration to come to the table with some compromise uh, as well. You know, let's just step back for a minute. Um, you know, keep in mind that, that um, well, first, I, I, of course, began my, my service in the House only two weeks ago. But for the last two years, uh, the federal government has been spending money um, with uh, with uh, without concern for its impact on inflation uh, or the or the nation's uh, debt ceiling. And so we come into this new Congress and this new year. Americans were told only weeks ago uh, that uh, there was a deal to basically extend the debt, debt through the summer, that, that we shouldn't be revisiting this conversation until late, much later in the year. But inflation, inflation, the constant uh, printing of money by the federal government, by uh, by Congress and leaders uh, 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 over the last two years, um, has just forced us into this situation much sooner. Now, that said, um, you know, I was I was an executive for 12 years uh, when um, when my budget didn't necessarily go exactly the way I planned. It's incumbent upon me to develop a plan to present to the legislative branch uh, for how. And so um, I'm a little concerned that the president and, and the administration has said they, they don't want to negotiate. That's just not what Americans expect, and it's not what we do. Um, at the end of the day, uh, uh, Republicans and Democrats, legislature and executive, are going to have to negotiate uh, what, uh, how, how best to address this as we come up to, to what we expect will be uh, a necessary vote a little bit later in the year. And what that looks like for me, Bob, is, is like for most Americans, show us. Uh, a Biden administration, show us federal government that you are at least con uh, concerned about the rate of spending. Uh, uh, be more effective in the use of taxpayer dollars. Identify savings. Craft a roadmap that shows us there's an earnest effort. The massive amount of federal dollars taken from taxpayers uh, and the massive amount of spending. Just, just show us there's an earnest, honest effort to control uh, the rate of spending. Uh, and, and you'll find members like me willing to have that conversation and compromise. But we need that. There, the, you know, America doesn't necessarily have a revenue problem. It has a spending problem. And when you and I run up against our credit card limits, um, we do have two choices, right? We could get another credit card or we could start to make some decisions and restrain, uh, 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 refrain from some spending. And with that, by the way, comes better credit report. Uh, so so I, not to be simplified, not to simplify it, but that's what I expected the administration. I think uh, from my perspective, I'm, I'm willing to come to the table so long as there's an earnest partner willing to work across party lines, the two branches of government. Uh, to be responsible with taxpayer dollars. 1023, we're speaking with Congressman Mark Molinaro on WNBF. One of the biggest distractions, maybe the biggest single story uh, that 
Congress is dealing with right now in the first uh, weeks of 2023 involves another new member of the House, another Republican member, George Santos. You've called on him to uh, resign. Uh, Quite a few other Republicans also have. But clearly, he's in no mood to quit. He's made it clear he's probably not, not going to go willingly. So if that's the case, what now? Well, listen, he doesn't work for me, um, and I work for uh, the citizens of the 19th. I think he should resign. Uh, the The breadth uh, and level of dishonesty is, is disheartening. It's disturbing. Uh, and frankly, it's distracting. Uh, there are some four or five uh, criminal and ethical um, uh, investigations underway. He needs to focus on complying those, and quite frankly, I, I think that um, he needs he needs to resign in order to to focus on his defense. Uh, but I will also say this, and I and I mean this as a as 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 the father of children, as someone who knows he's imperfect. Um, he needs to be honest with himself, and and clearly um, he's not come to. It. And so um, I, I'm hopeful uh, that uh, uh, that um, this can conclude quickly. But it's not a distraction for me. Um, you know, just this week I I learned that uh, uh, I secured appointments on the on the committees I was focused. Uh, representing the folks in this district on the House Agriculture Committee, the House uh, Small Business Committee, and the House Transportation Infrastructure Committees. That's where my focus is. I'm looking forward to getting to work with the other members, advocating for farms, advocating for small businesses, and community leaders like uh, Jason Gardner and uh, and Fred Akshar and Donna Lepardo in, in Broome County, and, of course, leaders all across the southern tier in central New York uh, to, to focus on investing uh, resources in, in transportation infrastructure, uh, housing, uh, high-speed internet, cell service. Those are the things that I'm focused on, and, and I'm not going to let uh, certainly uh, this uh, be a distraction. But but the burden is on him, not on us. It's been reported that your campaign received a contribution from the George Santos campaign. Uh, the report is $1,000 was uh, donated 10 months ago. Has that money been returned? Yeah, it was actually news to me. Um, I will tell you quite candidly. Um, at, at the end of the day, if if there's a clear criminal activity, we return donations. Uh, but uh, I will tell you that uh, uh, no, no one's contribution has ever influenced me. And um, you know, this becomes a very uh, uh, you know a circular conversation. I'm I'm focused 100 uh, percent on the people of this district. Uh, and as I said, I I believe he should resign. I believe he should. Uh, responsible uh, for his actions, uh, and I'm hopeful uh, that these investigations um, come to a conclusion and, and prove uh, right or wrong uh, what, uh, what's a, what, what, what he's done. Even if no criminal activity can be proven, do you think that uh, from an optics standpoint that it would be a good idea for your campaign to return that $1,000 contribution that was reportedly made last March 20th? I don't necessarily think giving him the money makes a hell of a lot of sense, but I'm sure there's a Southern Tier uh, not-for-profit or charity that would benefit from that kind of contribution, and I'll, I'll, that, that's the kind of uh, attack that I would take. That's something that you will actively consider? Absolutely. No, without question. It's 1027. We're speaking live with Congressman Mark Molinaro on this Friday morning. You're planning to be in Binghamton around this time tomorrow morning. Well, I was in day uh, for Martin Luther King uh, uh, ce- uh, celebration. Uh, glad to be with uh, with our neighbors. Uh, we'll be uh, again tomorrow. You're correct. Um, having a ceremonial swearing in ceremony. Uh, that'll be at uh, eleven 
11 o'clock uh, tomorrow uh, in Binghamton at the Kilmer Mansion. Uh, you all know where that is, um, but um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Sen- uh, Senator, sorry. Uh, Sheriff Fred Asher will be swearing me in. Uh, there'll be a lot of our neighbors uh, thankful that uh, County Executive Garner and Assemblymember uh, Lepardo uh, are joining us uh, as well as is Mayor Cram. Uh, you know we're you know we're all we're all working together, and I look forward to uh, uh, how shall I say ceremonially ceremonially that oath of office since we did take it a couple weeks ago uh, with my neighbors and friends uh, uh, in Binghamton and 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 really getting up uh, and running. And I do, and I'll say this tomorrow. Um, uh, our main office is Binghamton, uh, and uh, the staff is uh, is uh, is hired. The office is fully uh, is fully functional. Although I for some uh, furniture to be moved from from some other some other members' offices. Uh, but that said, uh, I want us to be uh, open and responsive. Uh, and so, uh, kick, kicking off my term uh, in Binghamton at eleven o'clock uh, tomorrow morning, uh, and uh, look forward to being with the with that. Of course, the one other thing that's dominating uh, news headlines right now in the first uh, few weeks of 2023, confidential documents that have been found at locations uh, uh, that when Joe Biden was president. What's your take on, on what's been revealed so far and also how the president has responded? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've said this uh, already, um, this ought to be, and I'm grateful, is now subject to a special um, uh, counsel and, and, and investigation. Uh, America's secrets need to be guarded, and, and, and they can't be left in a basement uh, or in a garage. Uh, and, and frankly, uh, the administration has to be, uh, one, uh, transparent, and two, there needs to be ability uh, when it comes to, to handling uh, America's uh, most sensitive uh, uh, of documents, and, and I believe that across the board. You think now that Republicans control the House, do you think it's likely that there's going to be a really strong effort by many Republicans in the House to find something to impeach Biden on this year? I mean, some members already speak openly about that. What's what's your sense of what might happen this year or even next year? Because we're at the exact midpoint of Joe Biden's first term. He was sworn in two years ago today. Uh, do you think um, it's, it's likely Republicans, many Republicans, will be looking for something, some issue to use to impeach President Biden? Well, to use your frame piece, uh, framework, if you will, uh, or, or frame of reference, I'm exactly two weeks uh, into my term. And so, um, you know, I, I live by the, the that my mother once uh, offered to me, let, let someone um, lose, your, uh, lose your respect. In other words, um, I, um, I believe that the House has uh, an oversight responsibility. And regardless of anyone individually, um, there is a responsibility of Congress to provide transparency and to hold the administration accountable. I think the American people expect that. And if there, if there ever is wrongdoing, it should be exposed. It should be Republican or Democrat president, Republican or Democrat uh, Congress. And so we, I, I have every expectation that we'll, we'll provide the appropriate oversight, but I'm not going to uh, project what may or may not happen. I mean, on January 3rd, I'm going to be sworn in at noon. Uh, it turns out I didn't get sworn in until till four days later at 2 o'clock in the morning. So uh, I'm not very good at uh, predicting the future. None of us really can foresee the for- future uh, beyond <laughs> probably even beyond 12 hours from now. Congressman Mark Molinaro, thanks for joining us on this Friday. And I'm sure we'll be speaking with you in the uh, very near future right here on WNBF. I'll bring coffee and cereal.
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Breakfast of champions. Thank you very much. Exactly. Take Be care. Well, thanks. It's 1031 at News Radio WNBF. Bob Joseph with you every morning from 9 to noon. I could call myself your breakfast companion, or if you prefer your brunch companion, give us a call. Love to hear from you. If you have any thoughts about almost anything, our number is 607 772 1290. The email address is bob at wnbf.com. WNBF, WNBF.com, taking the calls that America will place. Yes, if America places a call, 607-772-1290, I'll sell you a pillow. Not just one, but two at a special discount. Just remember, pillow code BOB, B-O-B, and get big pillow discounts for those of you who celebrate pillows. Let's see what else is going on. The lie watch never stops. Uh, According to our best calculations, George Santos has not, based on quick look at uh, New York Times, Washington Post, and Wall Street Journal, even the New York Post, they have not caught George Santos in a lie in the past 60 seconds, according to their websites. Just taking a quick scan to see how. I don't know what to say. Will he resign? Will they find a way to get him to go home? And I suppose, I know this sounds sounds judgmental, but I mean it only in a positive way in this case. If he goes home early, whether he actually resigns from the House of Representatives or if they take some sort of action to expedite his departure, I really just want him to get the help that it appears he needs. Sort of along the lines of what Congressman Molinaro was, was suggesting. You know, the first step for anything, anything, any any of the challenges that any of us will face, the first step is to acknowledge yeah, something needs to be done. It needs to be done. So, that would be a, a, a first step. And he's still a young man. If we can believe the Internet, he uh, was born on January, or July twenty second, 1988. So he's not even old enough to be president. If you were wondering... Could George Santos be president of the United States today? The answer is no. No, he he will be eligible from an age standpoint in about six months, because then he'll turn 35. But at this moment, he's too young. 
to be president of this great nation. So there's that. Not not that he's in the line of succession. That's that's a different story. But on the other hand, if you look at it seriously, since he will turn 35 about six months from now on July 22nd, that means he will be officially old enough to be a Republican candidate for president in 2024. Actually, it would be even more intriguing if he renounces his affiliation with the GOP and says, <laughs> I'm changing my party affiliation to Democrat. George Santos could challenge some Democrats for the nomination. I know you're saying, what, would George Santos, a newly minted Democrat, try to challenge Joe Biden? No, he's not going to try to challenge Joe Biden because I don't see any reasonable expectation Joe Biden will seek a second term. As I pointed out in our conversation with Mark Molinaro a few minutes ago, we are at the almost precisely, almost precisely at the exact halfway point in Joe Biden's first term. What I suspect is going to be his only term as president. So the, the midway point is coming up at noon, because remember it was a, a noon January 20th, 2021, when he took the oath of office. So, you know, for people who think that time doesn't go by quickly, it does. It doesn't seem possible that Joe Biden has been president now for two years. And then, and this is how it works, both in terms of politics and certainly with the news media, at this point, I'll say at, at exactly noon, that's when the focus ultimately starts shifting to the 2024 presidential campaign. Because then everybody will start to have an opinion about who the candidates ought to be, both for Democrats and Republicans. Now, the question everyone will has, ask is when will Joe Biden publicly announce his intentions? When if you were either option, say if if you're Joe Biden and you're intent on seeking another four-year term, which is absolutely his right, if that's what you intend to do, when would you uh, officially announce your candidacy or at least announce your intention? And as far as I know, everything he said publicly generally is, yeah, I intend to, to run for another term, but... When, when, or if, say, plan B, if he says, no, one term is, is more than sufficient, I don't need, I don't need six more years of this. So if he chooses not to seek a second term from a political standpoint, well, both political and personal, when would it be best for him to announce? Is it something that he would reveal soon or would he make us wait? for months before it became official because once he if he does choose that route if he announces specifically that i will not be a candidate in 2024 then he effectively becomes a, a lame duck and that would affect his power for the next whatever the remaining time as president so 
I don't know. It'll be interesting, and you can bet the news media will be working overtime on all sorts of intriguing stories, mainly horse race stories, because that's that's how the media, that's when we can tune in probably daily to hear Sean Hannity talk about the polls. That's the one thing I really dread about campaigns. It's the, to me, it's the... It's the downside of every campaign in the United States, especially for presidential campaigns, but even for other interesting races, is how much time winds up being spent by some people, talk show hosts and some people in the news media, fixated on polls. And there are so many polls and so many of them have a, a terrible track record, but even some of the polls that have a relatively good record of accuracy, in the end, in my opinion, it just becomes a giant waste of time. If you spend a lot of a program, well, this poll just came out, and look, uh, this candidate is up by one-tenth of a percent in New York, Ohio and Florida, but not in California. And it's, it takes away valuable time from callers or guests. But that's what we can look forward to. I, I don't see why the upcoming presidential election would be any different. It's 1043, Bob Joseph on your Friday morning on News Radio, WNBF 921 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. Did you know? WNBF at 1047 with Bob Joseph diving into the big pool of email that comes pouring in. Thank you to the U.S. email service for uh, providing comprehensive email coverage. Scott from Endwell reveals the mystery serial, the serial that for some reason escaped my memory briefly. Uh, of course, you have the delightful monster serial lineup led by the flagship Count Chocula and then Frankenberry, and as Scott from Endwell points out, Boo Berry. And also, by the way, Jim from Miller Motors had called that in as well. So thank you, uh, Jim and Scott, for confirming my suspicions that Boo Berry, Boo Berry was also part of the fabulous Monster Serial lineup. Which reminds me, do they still have monster truck shows? Because if they do a monster truck show at the arena, they should give out free boxes of monster cereals. Wouldn't that be good? Get your free monster cereal Sunday, Sunday, Sunday at the arena with the monster trucks. 
It's 1048 WNBF. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, from Bampton. Hey. I had to call twice. Oh, yeah. Well, what's oh. what's uh, what's going on? What's new? <clears throat> um, There's a... a uh, oh, boy. I shouldn't say on the radio, but... Well, yeah, don't don't talk about it on the radio because it's it's a, it's a very it sensitive issue. Yeah. Yep. Now there's some things some things we can talk about in person and some things that lend themselves for radio, but we can't talk about that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh yeah. All right. Thank you. No, it's true. It's true. Uh, you're saying what well, Bob who makes up the rules, the FCC and other authorities. Here's one, Jesse and a Wego. He's probably on his third special moxie by now because it's the weekend for him. Mystery moxie. We be all moxed up by noon on Friday. He writes for president. This is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to read the whole thing because it I'll read I'll read the top part for President Adam Schiff. Okay. Again, we're looking ahead to 2024. President Adam Schiff and Vice President George Santos. Yeah, that's a winning ticket. I would vote for that. Remember, it's not going to happen. But if it happened, I would vote for a ticket in 2024 featuring Adam Schiff and George Santos, not because it's great for America, but because it's great for talk show hosts. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name, and where are you calling from? Hi, this is Sylvie calling back. Oh, thanks for calling back. And, and you're in Binghamton, correct? Yeah. I you know, I always try to be very careful with my words. I'm so sorry. I, was, I had a chance to call back. So I go and put these non-poetic words like I'm... Um, uh, catch you later or something. My mind, it, it gets too casual in, in that at times, and um, I'm trying to move out of where I'm living at, but um, anyways, um, I'm calling back, yeah, about about Trump. Um, how do you feel? Do you do you think that this president is doing a great job, or... Um, do I think Trump is doing a great job? No, a Biden, President Biden. Oh, yeah, I do. I do believe he's doing the best he can. Hmm. Oh, well, I mean, I, um, compare him to his predecessor. So uh, Donald Trump, I'm convinced, for four years did the best he can. So I would give him an, an E for effort. And Joe Biden, and right now we're at the midpoint of his first term. I know. Uh, two years. So, so far, and I know it's incomplete, but based on the two, first two years, I think he also is doing the best he can. So, in that sense, Joe Biden and Donald Trump are, are very similar as presidents, doing consistently the best they can. Well, it just seems like, you know, they go after Trump all the time for something wrong. And and also um, that, that he... Um, you know, like he, I quote him saying one time that his lawyers were responsible for uh, some something with loopholes and law about money that he might have owed or something. Um, I, I kind of think that, you know, lawyers could look for ways of, of um, you know, um, uh, freeing their clients, you know, especially the really monetary lawyers, you know, 
from, uh, you know, things that otherwise they would necessarily have to do. And <laughs> it, just, it just seems to me he gets blamed for, like, all these things that, that keep, you know, going on. That's what I, I, I think is unfair. <laughs> well, you know, maybe I think the truth about Trump is that he's a lightning rod for for democrats and progressives and some others who are looking looking for a convenient target to blame all all of uh, the world's problems on and that's i think that's the truth yeah that's sad yeah well you know on the other hand he has a strong personality so i'm convinced after all these years of being in the public spotlight i'm convinced he's not bothered by it i think sometimes when he speaks out he gives the impression that he cares, I bet if I got him in a private moment, he'd confide confide to me and say, "Bob, I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn about the de- what the Democrats or the progressives or the talk show hosts or even what you think. I don't care because I'm Donald Trump and I'll do it my way." He's like Frank Sinatra. Well, he's um, he's a Gemini. You know, they're strong characters. See, an excellent communicator. I think. And he is. The one thing you could say about about Donald Trump as a candidate while he was president and since he left the White House, he's very clear. He's very clear on where he stands on the issues. So I think that's true. Appreciate your call. It's 1054. This is Bob Joseph on a Friday morning. This is News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. WMDF with Bob Joseph. It's 1058. It's Friday morning, January 20th. And thank you for being with us here at WNBF. Because we aim to please. That's my motto. I want everyone to be happy. <laughs> as much as feasible. So, oh, Scotty in California. Oh, he had a... A couple of questions. Actually, sorry, Scotty, I, I missed this when we were speaking with Congressman, Congressman Molinaro. And it should have been an obvious question, as obvious as uh, me driving the newsmobile down Court Street. Um, I should have asked the congressman if he's willing to shut down the government over the debt limit. That, I think, would have been a nice question. Also, Scotty said it would have been good if I'd asked him if he's with the moderates or the far-right fringe that could hold our country hostage. So, good questions, and I think Congressman Molinaro will be on on a regular basis. Oh, Scotty also sent one other note. He says it's the last email for the day. If Trump were still president, I'd bet the House he wouldn't care in the least about defending Ukraine. We wouldn't have given one cent to defend Ukraine. And for people who think we're giving too much aid to Ukraine, my question is, what's the cost of freedom? FDR wanted to help England back in 1940 and 41, but we had a bunch of isolationists that didn't view Hitler as a threat. Thank you, Scotty. Have a great weekend. More coming up. Stick around. Bob Joseph on WNBF. Where news breaks first. 
News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, January 20th. You're listening to WNBF. The city of Binghamton's newly constructed Court Street Fire Station should be operational before spring. Fire trucks and other department vehicles were observed at the facility this week as the 20,000 square foot structure is being prepared for use. City firefighters were getting acclimated to how things will work in their future home. The $8.5 million fire station is located at Court and Chapman Streets, just southeast of the city-owned Morabito Stadium. The department moved out of its quarters at City Hall in 2020 because of concerns that the deteriorating garage floor could collapse under the heavy weight of the fire trucks. The temporary fire headquarters operation has been housed in a former car dealership at Court and Carroll Streets. The new fire station has five drive-through bays and a bunk area for 11 firefighters. The facility also has a kitchen, dining area, and decontamination room to prevent toxins from spreading throughout the station. City firefighters who have visited the new complex have indicated they're impressed with the facility. A Broome County man said work will continue to transform the old Red Robin Diner in Johnson City into a new restaurant. Tamor Khan of the town of Binghamton acquired the property at 268 Main Street last June for $210,000. The small diner building, which had been manufactured in New Jersey, has been a fixture at the corner of Main and Broad Streets for more than six decades. It originally operated on Conklin Avenue in Binghamton before it was moved to the Johnson City site. A large red and blue neon sign that had been part of the diner was removed by an Ohio man last summer. Khan told WMBF News that the effort to renovate the former diner is still in progress. Although some preliminary work was started inside the structure last fall, there's been no activity at the site in recent weeks. Khan said some adjustments have been made to the original design he had envisioned for the future business. Plans previously outlined to Johnson City officials indicated the new eatery would have seating for 24 people. Khan said there's no definite date yet for the opening of the new restaurant. He's revealed the name he intends to use for the business. An Oakdale Mall staple, the Greater Binghamton Sports Hall of Fame and Museum was forced to leave the Oakdale Commons earlier this week. Anthony Quagliata, owner of AJQ Sports Management and Marketing and founder of the Greater Binghamton Sports Hall of Fame and Museum, received a little more than a month of notice from the Oakdale Commons that the local sports museum would have to relocate. He told WMBF News, they told us December 7th we had to get out by January 31st, and then two days later they told us we had to get out by January 15th, so we really had to scramble, but luckily the county came to our help. Vision's Federal Credit Union is actually storing some of our additional artifacts that we're not able to bring over to the arena. Rogers Trucking assisted us in the moving process, and we had a bunch of really great volunteers, most of them part of our program to begin with, that assisted us with the move. According to Quagliata, some leases in the Oakdale Commons had run out, and they were unofficially paying month-to-month to utilize the space they'd occupied for years. And now the Oakdale Commons has no space for the Greater Binghamton Sports Hall of Fame and Museum. Quagliata is looking for a permanent location for the museum, but for now, many of the displays can be found on the first floor of the Visions Veterans Memorial Arena. On Wednesday, January 18th, members of the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force attempted to take Taekwon Brown, age 26, who was wanted for a homicide by the New York City Police Department and a violation of New York State parole warrant, into custody while he was operating a motor vehicle on Binghamton's east side. Brown fled this stop by driving in the direction of a police officer and across a front lawn of a residence and left the area at a high rate of speed. A short time after, Brown was involved in a motor vehicle accident in the area of Eldridge Street and Brandywine Avenue. The operator of the vehicle Brown collided with called 911 and advised which way Brown fled the accident on foot. A short time later, Brown was taken into custody by members of the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force on the railroad tracks nearby. 
As a result of the investigation, investigators located one loaded 9mm Ruger brand handgun, approximately 12.9 grams of fentanyl pills, and drug paraphernalia items used in the sale and distribution of controlled substances. As a result of the investigation, Taquan Brown of Brooklyn, New York, was arrested and transported to the Binghamton Police Department to be processed on charges of attempted assault in the first degree, reckless endangerment in the first degree, criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree, criminal possession of a controlled substance in the fourth degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, criminal using drug paraphernalia in the second degree, obstruction of governmental administration in the second degree, resisting arrest, and criminal trespass in the third degree. On January 18th, the Johnson City Police Department arrested Jericho J. Thomas, age 19, for assault in the second degree, petty larceny, and resisting arrests. Thomas is accused of stealing merchandise from a store in the village and fleeing from loss prevention. Johnson City officers responded and located Thomas at a nearby location, encountered him, and attempted to place him under arrest. Thomas began to fight and struggle with the officer during the struggle, caused injuries to the officer's arm and shoulder that required medical treatment. The officer is still recovering, and the injuries may require additional treatment. Thomas was processed and taken to central arraignment, where he was released in compliance with New York State bail reform laws. A search is underway after a small plane disappeared near a New York suburban airport. The Federal Aviation Administration says preliminary information indicates the pilot of the single-engine Beechcraft A36 reported engine troubles about a mile from the Westchester County Airport around 6.15 p.m. Thursday. The FAA says the plane was flying from New York's John F. Kennedy International Airport to the Cuyahoga County Airport in Richmond Heights, Ohio, with an unknown number of people aboard. Emergency responders are combing woods and a reservoir near the airport. A Florida judge has sanctioned former President Donald Trump and one of his attorneys, ordering them to pay nearly $1 million for filing a bogus lawsuit against Trump's 2016 rival Hillary Clinton. In a scathing decision Thursday, U.S. District Judge Donald Middlebrooks accuses Trump of filing frivolous lawsuits for political purposes in a pattern of abuse of the courts. Middlebrooks had already dismissed the suit Trump filed against Clinton, former top FBI officials and Democratic Party rejecting the former president's claims that they and others conspired to sink his winning presidential campaign by alleging ties to Russia. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, snow and rain in the forecast this morning. Mostly cloudy with a high near 41 degrees and a 40% chance of rain. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low near 30 degrees. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 34. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, a low near 28. And Sunday, snow likely, mostly cloudy with a high near 38 degrees, 70% chance of snow. Sunday night, chance of snow, mostly cloudy with a low near 28 degrees, 50% chance of snow. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Here we go again. <laughs> it's Bob Joseph live at News Radio WNBF WNBF.com. If you want to call, you may by dialing 607 772 1290. And you can speak on WNBF. <laughs> doesn't hurt you i'm glad and keep running up that hill keep running up that hill need someone to replace that uh, big bulb on the top of the tower so run to the top of the hill 
on Broadcast Mountain. You get up to the tower and replace, replace that, I say. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's 11-12. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. We have plenty to talk about today, including, oh, I suppose, some surprises as well, because it's Friday, and as you know, on Fridays, just about anything goes. So we'll see what happens between now and noon. I'm Bob Joseph, live on News Radio, WNBF 921 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Uncle your needs, find us at TallPinesFarm.com. Tall Pines Farm, can we build a fire for you? WNBF, Binghamton's most wonderful radio station. Joined now by Everett Maurier, and uh, he joins us now from the most wonderful place in Delaware I know of. It's called Dover, Delaware. Good morning, Everett. Good morning. Gee, it seems like you were just here in the studio like 10 months ago. Isn't that weird? I know. It is weird. It's like deja vu all over again. Wait a second. Right. You were here 10 months ago. I'm, I'm looking at a picture of you from March 18th last year when you were talking about the um, the movie shoot for th 33 Cecils. Yep. Wow. Yeah, we were there with uh, with Ed Hickey and, and Kelly Fancher and I were there. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, that was fun. We had a lot of fun. That reminds me, I have to stop by the Belmar to say hi to... Uh, to uh, our good friend over there because I think he still listens every time every time I run into him out and about and I, I always want to stop by the Belmar to uh, have a burger or something and yep. you know it's just it's been a while since I've popped in which is weird since I drive by there probably about six times a week but I just every time I drive by his spot there on Main Street I just have to say oh I don't have time to pop in I don't have right. time. I want to stop in to say to say hi to Ed, and I just don't have time. But I'll I'll have to I'll pencil it into my busy schedule. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I I keep telling Jennifer that she needs to write a cookbook. I mean the that that the Belmar is the hidden secret of food in Binghamton. It's incredible. Oh, the burgers are delightful. Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah. And he at one time I remember, I remember. It was a special because he loves doing uh, specials at uh, at the Belmar. And let me see, because I'm trying to remember exactly when this was. I have to punch this up. But he came up with a special called the Cafefe Special, a burger Ooh. based on what uh, uh, President Trump 
probably inadvertently tweeted one morning back in May 2017, and just a few hours after that uh, odd tweet about Kofefe, Ed Hickey um, actually put out a, a, a special burger over at his place, and, and so we did a news story because that's just how the news media work. You know, they, we come up with something bizarre. Everybody's talking about, what did the president mean with Kofefe? And then... Ed Hickey smartly knew that I would fall for that kind of promotion. And, and within a matter of like three or four hours, it was on our website just because yep. it was a cute thing. It was, it was um, a funny little man. story. Yeah, he, he knows. He knows how to manipulate the media, or at least WNBF and Bob Joseph. Anyway, that's, not why, that's not why you called. You're here uh, to t uh, tell us a little bit about uh, something special. It's a, a national art competition that was right. uh, inspired or has been inspired by your novel, 33 Cecils. Tell me what's going on. Right. So, so 33 Cecils, which is set in part in Binghamton, and um, they're going to film, you know, this year in Binghamton. I talked to the producer just a few days ago, and it's slated for this year. We're very excited about it. But this story is about, um, in part, about a character in Binghamton and a character in Erie, and they come together. But the character in Erie tells stories to his young daughters. He he makes up these stories and he and he tells them to his daughters. And and the publisher was just always fascinated with these stories that there were almost a story within the book. So so this year they decided to take one of those stories, the the story of of the title, how how you know 33 Cecil's got the title and the story of this town and turn it into a children's book. And and as as they were planning it, they said, well, you know, so many wonderful things have happened with, you know, Bloodsworth books, you know, had faith in this in this novel and it, you know, it, it, it won awards and it's taught in schools, was taught in Binghamton High School, it's taught in Gannon University, it's having a film made. We're just, we have had all these wonderful things happen. Why not extend that a little bit? So instead of hiring an animator, we said, well, let's just have a contest and find someone that can read, you know, this kid's book, visualize it, and then come up with the animation. And then they would you know, award them the contract for the book, and they would, you know, be the illustrator, there'd be a cash prize, and it would just be a neat way just to extend, you know, the giving part of it. Well, I think that's that's great. So tell us how how people can uh, participate in this opportunity. Yeah, so you can go to the website. It's Blyden Square Books, B-L-Y-D-Y-N, Square Books. You can go on Blyden Square Books on Facebook or, or Twitter or Instagram or the website, and you'll you'll see you'll see where it is. There's a link there. It describes what it is. I believe the deadline is the end of March, and um, I believe that Tara is asking for um, up to three drawings or or paintings. Or she she has a little piece of what the of what the kids book is, and then you know come up with three pieces of art based on how you visualize it, and then from that they'll they'll make a decision. Now tell us about this whole the whole process with the movie shoot. I I think initially when we spoke last March, there was an expectation that the, uh, the production would would get underway fairly soon. What's what's the status of um, of getting things moving on on de developing the movie and and shooting scenes and so on? Yeah, I, I've learned that there's regular time and then there's movie time, and and movie time you know moves differently. You know if you look at if you look at, um, I think Gladiator took 10 years, you know, being developed. I think 
Uh, Deadpool took like 18. I mean, some of these things are just are just out there. But we were ready to go. The the producers and the executive producers were ready to go. And then they they changed their mind on the director. They they just really felt that it wasn't going the way that they wanted to go. So they 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 changed that, and that sort of brought things back. But it it opened it up again um, and, in a different way. And I'm sort of glad that they that they chose the the direction they did. But I spoke to them, um, you know, just a few days ago. They're very excited. If you know, Dustin Hoffman is still very attached to it. And um, and they've got it slated to be filmed this year. They and then they're going to be moving everything, you know, to Binghamton. It was very important that that we film in Binghamton, and, and we're going to be filming, you know, the Erie scenes and the Binghamton scenes, you know, right there. So it was very important that that when they made it, they made it there. So uh, where will the uh, the non Binghamton production take place? Is that going to be in, yeah. in California or where? Well, they'll do most of it in Binghamton. I think part of the, don't quote me, but I think part of the tax benefits are you have to shoot 70% of it, you know, within within the county, within the state. I'm, I'm, don't, don't quote me on that. So a lot of it will be done here. They will get some B-roll out of Erie. They will get some other, you know, traveling B-roll. But the, the plan is to shoot the Binghamton scenes, obviously, here, and then the Erie scenes in different parts of here. So they'll... They might shoot in Johnson City, or they might shoot in Whitney Point. The challenge is to make Binghamton look like 1992 Binghamton. So you'll have to you have to play around with that a little bit. But well, so does that mean they they might consider shooting some elements even at the Belmar and Main Street? Because I look at the Belmar, I could see where the Belmar could be made to look like 1992 Binghamton without without too much trouble. You know, what's funny is I think I told you the last time we talked when I, because I lived in the apartment across the street. Which yeah, on Mather where, Street. You know, on Mather Street. I, so when I was in my 20s, I lived in that apartment. And that's where we, that's where Dutch lives in the book. And and I looked out my window and I saw, you know, saw the Belmar. And then, you know, moved away. The book came out, totally forgot about it. And I came, I happened to travel through Binghamton like months, two or three months before the book was to be released. And happened to go down that that road for the first time in in ten years probably, and the entire block was gone except the Belmar. Every everything the well, I got on the phone and I and I called you know the publisher. I go, you're never gonna believe what I'm looking at. I just I I couldn't believe the Belmar was still there, but the rest of the block that I remembered was was gone. Yeah, well the the building or a couple buildings right to the um, the east of it, uh, sadly, were destroyed by uh, an inferno, a fast-moving right. winter fire. I was there when that, that happened, and a lot of people were wow. displaced uh, that night, the terrible night when the fire ripped through that building. seems to me maybe a couple of dozen people lived there, and I don't believe anybody was hurt, but I remember thinking, well, there goes, there goes a key part of this binghamton neighborhood on the near west side and and certainly as as you've observed it nothing else ever ever was built on that that spot next to the belmar right and i think what's funny is i had a friend of mine that took a picture again this was maybe two or three months after the novel was out that the apartment that apartment on mather street caught on fire it did. And, you know, it did. And yeah. I covered that fire. That was also, and there was such a, there was a sad story. I don't even know 
that I ever talked about it publicly, and I, I won't do it here, but there was uh, just a, a, a really sad, tragic element involving that fire and ultimately how it started. It was one of those quirky things, almost. It would have been, uh, we, we uh, started this segment with that uh, well-known theme that Angelo Badalamenti wrote for David Lynch's Twin Peaks. If there was ever going to be a Twin Peaks uh, movie or TV series situated in Binghamton, what happened there at that building and, and the fire, that that whole scenario, a sad episode, would would have seemed seemed fitting for a David Lynch production because it was just so wow. sad. And but you know, it's on the other hand, I'll also just say, you know, in, in life. We deal with tragedies and triumphs. You know, life is not not one hundred percent fun or one hundred percent sad. It's it's a it's a mix. It's a blend. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, so all things being equal, and with the understanding, yes, there's Binghamton time and maybe Hollywood movie time. If uh, if you were to guess at this moment, when do you think that that some of the Binghamton based scenes might be shot for thirty three Cecils? Yeah, I'm guessing on, on what they consider their sweet spot, and their sweet spot is obviously seasonal. So they would probably want to do um, early spring or or through the summer, um, possibly through the fall. When you get when you get into the winter, you're getting into you know, a lot of logistics. The challenge with this is you have to move like an entire industry to Binghamton. You've got to you you've got the advantage of of, of tapping into some talent from New York City, but you have to. You have to move a lot, you know, over this way, and they just that just takes some coordination. But they're absolutely committed to doing it. So if I, if I had to pick a, a time, I would probably say late spring, early summer, because that's all the chatter from the producers that I'm hearing about that that's what they're going for. All right. Well, keep me posted if you hear anything new. Just looking. If they want a nice shot of Main Street looking west, to like an establishment shot looking west toward where the Belmar is and where that uh, apartment house building is on Mather Street. What they should do is get up on the roof of the Masonic Temple, if you know where that right. is, because that's, yeah, that's about... Do. It's about three blocks to the east, and I've been on that roof. I was actually up there, I think, five or six years ago. I went on an entire tour of that building from the sub-basement all the way to the roof. And i got to tell you, the views you get, especially because it was in October when I was there, the the beautiful views uh, looking in all directions, It's it would be beautiful. They, they could call the guy who owns the Masonic Temple and ask if they could at least put a, a camera up there and just take some B-roll looking down, yeah. down Main Street toward Mather and... Uh, toward Johnson City, I think that'd be a beautiful, beautiful establishment yeah. shot for at least some part of the movie. And you know what's funny is you just, you just, something just triggered when you said that. I'm not sure why that, but I, I just am still amazed at this. Um, I got a call last September, September 1st. I got a call from Jennifer at the Belmar, and she said, "You're never going to believe who's here." And I said, "Who's here?" And she goes, "A guy that's never been here before." walked in off the street and said, today is the day that is in the novel, 30 years where the two characters die, September 1st, 1992, to 2002, it was 30 years. And he said, I'm going to the Belmar to have a beer to remember these characters. And he sat there and he talked to the people at the Belmar about it. It, it meant so much to him that, that, you know, the Belmar was a real place and the Belmar was in the novel. 
and he was talking like these people were were important and they were real and 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 it just it hit us so much that that the and the publisher was so moved that she got with that hickey and she goes next year on nine one we are having a thirty three Cecil's day at the Belmar because there are people that 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 were touched and moved by this by this novel and it's just tumbling. Well, I'm making note of that myself. That's let me yeah. just see. We've got to look at my calendar here to see what day September 1st falls on. Gee, I hope it's a weekday so I have an excuse to saunter in. Oh, it is. It's going to be on a Friday. So I'm pointing it right now, 33 Cecil's Day at Belmar on Friday, September 1st. All right. I have something to look forward to. And then I can explain to my boss why I spent from noon to 8 p.m. at the Belmar. Right. Yeah, it was, it was working you know, on a story. Job description, research, story. research. Big story. And then yep. I and then I just submit whatever whatever I spent on burgers and beverages uh, on yep. well expensive. Yeah, I'll that, prove that. That's how this works. Everett De Maurier, thank you very much for joining us. Keep in touch. Let me know if there are any further developments about uh, either the art contest or the uh, movement toward uh, shooting scenes for the uh, the movie that you've been looking forward to. It's one thing we did establish when you were here last March. This has been something that you have really been dreaming about for a long time. Yeah, and, and it's and it's amazing that you you connect with people that that have the same vision is a word they throw around. It's kind of a corny word, but I'm going to use it. That have the same vision that you have, and they really it's just as important, you know, as that to you. And and I think there was a time when I would have pushed a button and just said, "Get it made, just get it made, get it made," so we can cross it off the list. And and now I'm past that because it's more important to the producers and the people involved. They want to make the film, the right film, what they call a beautiful film. And that's where they're waiting until everything is perfect. And I think we're there. It'll be a fascinating uh, story as as this moves forward in the coming months. Everett Maurier, thank you so much. And we will keep in touch with you. Great. I appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. 11.33, Bob Joseph live on News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM. And you're always connected with us using the WNBF app. Remember, it's free. Over here. Bob Joseph live at 607-772-1290. We're taking your calls. Selena from Binghamton, good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. I love your bumper music. (laughs) Isn't it the best? Yeah, it's the best. Um, I need your opinion if something could be done. Can you believe that the United States of America is nearly $31.6 trillion in debt? Yeah, I can believe it, because you know what? The uh, motto of this country, and I don't mean to impugn the reputation of fine sailors everywhere, but the reality of the United States government in my lifetime is they, the, the guys and gals, whoever whoever's in charge, they spend like drunken sailors. And again, yeah, that's I fine. I mean, if you're a sailor <laughs> and you, you, you have what a few happens? drinks, of course you're going to lose track of the cash, especially right. if it's not yours. Yeah, but what happens if we default? Well, then we're completely 
as they say, as the kids say on the street, we're sadly out of luck. If that yeah. happens, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, thank you so much for your service. All right, thank you, and I appreciate your call. I hope you have a great weekend. Yeah, it's, it's going to be great. I'm going to do some things. Okay. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. It's 1138 WNBF. Yes, sadly out of luck is what the kids say. And um, if if our leaders, if our leaders take us to a situation where this country defaults on its responsibilities and its obligations, well, you know, we'll take names. We will take names, and we will remember. You know, it's not, in my opinion, this is a wonderful country, and I'm I'm so fortunate that I won the lottery and was actually born here because to be honest with you I I like I like the way it is here it's uh, it's a great place but if the people who are in leadership positions right now in the United States if they don't work out this debt limit situation and do it expeditiously. Don't dawdle. The stock markets, businesses, and just people in general, they don't like uncertainty. That's the key thing. Nobody appreciates not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month. So the longer that they wait to resolve the debt crisis, or at least start, Obviously, with the amount of money that the country owes, hey, it didn't happen overnight. It can't be fixed overnight. But certainly, great minds, and you know when I say great minds, I mean people like Joe Biden and Hakeem Jeffries and Charles Schumer and Kevin McCarthy, these great minds can come up with a compromise to start getting things moving in a proper direction and not put the country in the embarrassing position of defaulting on its debt. I mean, come on, man. This is the United States of America. This is not some joke country that you might imagine would be portrayed in the movies. No, this is the real deal. Ah, Gary. Gary writes on, ha, ha, ha. I see what you did there. Gary writes about the Kofefe burger down at the Belmar on Main Street. Did that burger contain a lot of bologna? Ha, ha, ha. Oh, my gosh. Seriously. I don't think it did. I think I saw it. I, don't, I didn't sample it. I didn't actually try it, but I don't. I'm trying to remember. Let me see the story if I... Here's the story I wrote. I was so proud of this story. Well, obviously it wasn't going to win any awards, but it was just one of those well, talkers that you hear about because of that whole Kofefe controversy, you know, the presidential typo on Twitter. So I went over to the Belmar, and let's see. So Ed, Edward, Edward Hickey, concocted uh, a story about the lunch special that he posted to posted online he said 
The sandwich featured a beaten horseradish concoction along with thinly sliced potatoes sautéed with garlic and onions. Hmm. Man, that sounds good. And man, it's almost lunchtime. So that Kofefe sandwich featured a beet and horseradish concoction along with thinly sliced potatoes sautéed with garlic and onions. When I went over there, it turns out, and I, I forgot, Ed Hickey wasn't there when I stopped by to investigate the Kofefe burger special, but we were told it would cost um, $5. I should have bought one. I should have bought one. That would have made the story more complete if if I actually had bought the Kofefe burger and taken a picture and then given my unbiased opinion. But apparently, either I wasn't hungry that day or must be I had other stories that I needed to churn out for the website. Let's go back to the phones at 1143 WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, well, Martin Hoke Santos. From Binghamton. From Binghamton, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, gee, I hope you're telling me the truth, Martin. Yeah, so I'd like to give Mr. Santos a big hit of my nuvage, and maybe it will <laughs> clear up his head a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe that's all he needs. That and... Um, you know, eight ounces of delicious moxie soda. That that could cure what ails him. And ten years of therapy. Boy, what a case study that guy would be. Yeah. I don't know. You know? I, I've said this before, and I know it sounds very negative. I don't mean to be negative. I just don't see how this ends well. I mean, for him uh, or for anyone. I mean, it's one thing if ultimately either he resigns from the House of Representatives or they find a way to get him to leave early whether he winds up facing some indictments or whatever because of campaign uh finance issues or, or whatever it happens to be but i'm more concerned about him personally i mean the nation this is a strong nation we can even if he stays representing that district on long island for the rest of the term that he won in november i mean the nation's not going to go down in flames I feel badly for the people in his congressional district that they're stuck with him, at least for now. But for me, the more profound issue is, what about George Santos, the person? Well, you know, he's. what about the vet that he took the dog from? I mean, that he took the money from, and that's what really bothers me. But about back to him, you know, I mean, he needs to get to the... Uh, bottom of why this why this is occurring this this behavior i mean you know there's something i mean possibly in his childhood or something that you know what makes a, a guy like you know do things like that and um you know one of the reasons i called is that if anybody wants to look man it was so funny on last night stephen colbert had an impersonator on there <laughs> the guy looks just like him and and went on and on um and but he also showed real film footage of that when he was giving a speech that he was wearing a scarf that he stole from his roommate, his previous roommate. But um, about what Mr. Melonero said about he just took a thousand dollars, I mean, and, and give it back. I mean, you know, uh, my opinion, it would be like 
give half of it to the Humane Society, half to the vets, something like that, you know, and because, you know, that was that guy's lifeline. He was living in a tent, and that was his his family, that animal was. And we all know how attached we are to our animals. And, I mean, that is just so reprehensible. And they have him on, there's a great segment on CNN where they got the text um, from him talking to um, the guy that had the dog and his and his other friend who was representing him. And it's just, uh, that just really disgusted me when I heard that about the dog. Yeah, well, a lot of things about George Santos are, I don't know if I'm upset. Well, the dog thing, yes, that really upsets me. As far as most of the other revelations, I'm not really upset or even disgusted, just disappointed. I'm disappointed for him. I'm disappointed for the people who live in his district on Long Island. I'm disappointed for the House of Representatives that they didn't have a mechanism in place to keep him from being sworn in this month, even though his record now is becoming more and more clear. And I'm also disappointed in him that, you know, even at that late stage, even before he was sworn in, he could have more, more or less gracefully, I don't know if it's even possible at this point, but he could sort of gracefully have bowed out. And, hey, if the guy is a liar and an actor, he certainly could have lied and acted and gone before the TV cameras and the radio microphones and done a performance to indicate, I'm so sorry about what I've done. I'm so sorry for everyone I've hurt. And for now, I am not going to go forward and be sworn in to the House of Representatives. For now, I'm going back home, wherever that is, and I'm going to try to sort things out. And and even if he wants to wanted to add this, you know, some people would say it would be gratuitous and not necessary. Others would say, well, it wouldn't hurt. Please, please try to accept my apologies for what I've done. But more importantly, please keep me in your thoughts and prayers going forward because I am starting starting to realize the gravity of what's happened here. If he had done well, that, even if it was a total act, and even if people said, oh, he's not genuine, he's lying again. Well, even that, though, in my opinion, would have been a step in the right direction. Because, you know, even for people who make mistakes, even for people who make lots and lots and lots of mistakes, I can show compassion if they at least give an indication that they suddenly are developing an awareness. Maybe they'll never fully appreciate. Maybe he'll never, ever truly get it. I hope he does. But also, I hope when he does, if he does, start to get the ramifications of, of what he's done over the years, I also hope, ultimately, that he can get his life on track. Somehow. But he's incapable of it right now. Bob. I know he's incapable I mean, of it right now. I don't expect him right now on January 20th to suddenly turn over a new leaf and, and say, Hey, I'm Honest George. You can trust me. I don't expect it to be instantaneous. But I think he could start. And maybe it would take months or maybe it takes years. 
but well, you know, uh, as uh, someone who's been through all that, and uh, you know, um, I don't know if you remember, I'm the guy that lived in halfway house with Herman New, and I'm coming up on 41 years, and this is my life. It depends on it and therapy and everything else. And there's a um, uh, saying, and it's true that nothing changes until it becomes real. You know, until he gets off his feet, gets in therapy, gets the cobwebs out of his head about all this and looks at all these lies, put it up on the board and let him take a look at it. And because one thing hit with what came true with me for alcoholism was two words, progressive and predictable. And it was like, yeah, okay, I get it now. I understand that, you know, but what's more even reprehensible possibly than the vet is uh, the Holocaust talking about he had people that would die. I know. And nine, nine it, well, okay. And that was that, his mother died. Yes. And that was horrific you know. too. So, so again, I mean, so much has happened over the last few weeks since the initial story on the front page of the New York Times. It's been hard for me to keep keep track. You know, you need some sort of space-age software to be able to keep track of all the documented lies that, that they've caught them in. So, But the bottom line is, I still think, because I believe in redemption, I still think there's a way in the long term for him to turn things around and i'm not saying that oh good you know in in two years he, he moves to binghamton and says oh hi i'm george santos maybe you remember me bob i've turned my life around and now i want to run for mayor of binghamton not like that because that would be unacceptable but in the end maybe he can get a grip on things and and fix try to fix things I mean, yes, again, did. you know, you, you, if if only he would take start to take some responsibility, that would be a step in the right direction. Still, there were people who would never, probably never, ever forgive him, and I understand that because of be, from various perspectives, depending on on your personal life story and your worldview you may never find it in your heart to forgive him but at least he could start and try to make some amends to people who actually have have uh, suffered because of his because of his antics that's what i would hope but maybe that's too much to expect we've created unwittingly we've created a monster here with this serial controversy so everybody is uh, popping in to point out yes of course bob we all know about the count chocula and frankenberry and then as uh, also uh came to our attention boo berry from general mills we all know about them but what about the others like fruit brute and fruity yummy mummy which are apparently no longer made so yes those of you who've been calling it to my attention, yes, those monster cereals, all of them, all of them are wonderful. And only America is proud enough to make monster cereals. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? It would be Jesse from Owego, Bob. Hey, how about those modified moxies? What are you up to now, seven? Ah! I'm telling you, buddy, enjoy responsibly. That's why I walk. <laughs> <laughs> somebody told me the only, somebody told me the only way you can listen to this show on Friday, on a Friday uh, program, you gotta 
you got to be drinking something. Well, yeah. I mean, my God, I, that's why I call it fluid discussion. <laughs> and we give yeah. people food for thought. Well, absolutely, especially that that burger. You know, now, I was gonna say now that I read the the description, now I'm really hungry for it. Now I'm gonna have to drive on down there and see if uh, Ed Hickey is there and see if he could uh, or ask the kitchen as a special order to make a Kofefe burger, even though they haven't they haven't offered it in four years. You know what? I I think he could. But you know what I think would really take the cake is if he ordered them uh, Cuomo chips to go with it as a side. <laughs> Cuomo chips. I remember yeah. that. What You know, here's what I'll do. This is the kind of guy I am, Jesse. I hereby invite Andrew Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, oh, even, even their mom, Matilda Cuomo. I invite all of them to hop in the car, hop in the... What, what does he have, um, a Pontiac, or a, I can't remember his sport car. Probably still has the number one license plate made by some inmate in Prison I City. I don't think it was a Corvette. <laughs> it wasn't a Corvette. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? It turns out that, that the Corvette that we're all talking about, actually, that's, it was being kept by Andrew Cuomo in Joe Biden's garage. And then it's like, oh, now the plot really sickens. You know, so it's, well, not- can you imagine a, a, a scandal that involves Andrew Cuomo, Joe Biden, and Hunter all at the same time driving around in a Corvette and, and drinking modified moxies? Well, now that we got these new electric Corvettes, I hear it has bigger trunk space so they can all fit it in. Yeah, but they still don't have enough space for all the confidential documents they've stashed away and i'm sure there's more (laughs) they'll have to get one of those rider rental trucks one of those 44 no they need to get call fedex and see if they could get one of those double or triple trailer things you know where you've got two or three trailers in a row they could load all the confidential documents that accidentally wound up in a box next to the corvette i thought they were only allowed on the freeway (laughs) probably but if they're going to disobey the law regarding confidential documents, they'll probably also disregard the law about tandem trailers. Just my guess. And, and so they load up the tandem trailers, the FedEx trailers that they borrowed. I'm using air quotes. And then we see them going past Tioga Downs in the town of Nichols at 119 miles an hour. You see what I'm saying? And we say, look who's driving, and it looks like it's Janine. Proving once again, folks, that politics makes for strange bedfellows. I'm telling you, there's a movie that even David Lynch wouldn't touch. It's 11:57. This is Bob Joseph. It's a Friday morning at News Radio WNBF. <laughs> think I've earned my pay this week, but don't worry, I'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat station. This is your staff announcer, Bob Joseph, reminding you that you're listening to News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.